Welcome to this rap session of Tech Rap Queen. I am the Renee, aka Renee Reed. And whether this is your first episode or you have been along the journey, I welcome you to the royal court. My audience, the listeners, and you are in for a treat today. In this rap session, I get to speak to a 20-year Silicon Valley veteran and engineering executive, Sabri Tozen. He has an extensive background working at companies like Netflix, IGN Entertainment, and also currently at LinkedIn. But because I know Sabri, we go beyond titles and positions. Sabri takes us through career lessons, but also life lessons. That lesson has taught me how to look at those things with perspective and to put a lens on it that allows me to be more about the growth um, and more about the learning as opposed to dwelling on the failure itself. Royal Court, are you ready? Let the gem dropping begin. Energy, vibes, inspiration. I'm Renee Reed, and this is Tech Rap Queen. The man himself, Sir Sabri Tozid. I have just crowned him. Listen, welcome to Tech Rap Queen. It's only fitting that I knight you as Sir Sabri. It's a thing. My, my pleasure to be here. I, I'm I'm ridiculously excited to be here. I'm I'm nervous. I have uh, I have butterflies in my stomach. I'm not sure why, but uh. <laughs> that's the excitement. That's the energy that you are uh, experiencing. Yeah, I, yeah, I am so excited yeah. that you have taken the time just to uh, bless me, bless the people, bless the royal court, as I call the audience. Uh, that's right. listening. Um, you know, I've I I really want to make sure that they know that they are part of this uh, rich and regal experience. So thank you so much for uh, joining me today. The honor is all mine. <laughs> no, I am honored. But before I go into your just amazing uh, track record of uh, your career and all the things that you have done. Talk about Young Sabri, and specifically Young Sabri in Seattle, um, in high school specifically. Talk to me about that Young Sabri, and did he know what he wanted to do when he grew up? <laughs> did he know that he wanted to be this amazing VP of engineering and <laughs> you know this this figure no. in the tech space? Not at all. Not at all. I um, I did not know. Um, I had no idea what I wanted to do. Um, in fact, I'd go a step further. I was I was an average math student at best, and engineering was not necessarily something I had in mind. But you know, my my father is an engineer. My father is a civil engineer. My my mom's a physician, and um, that was the you know, that was the bar for me. So I that certainly had expectations at that level, but I, I did not, no, I, I, had, I had no idea. I, in fact, even after I started college, I still had no, I wasn't sure. I, I had enrolled in engineering school with the plan to get an engineering degree, but no, I had no idea. 
Mm-hmm. At best, I, I wanted to 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 copy my parents. Um, and now, in retrospect, you know, I, I think that the goal was always to try to make them as proud as possible. But I had no idea what the path was. <laughs> what was kind of the path? So, yes, to make them proud. But was there any specific uh, position or career that you'd said, hey, you know, maybe this will work? That wasn't necessarily engineering. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I ended up getting a minor in economics, and there was I I had a a real affinity for what I was learning in economics. I really enjoyed that. the The engineering, I don't know that I enjoyed so much, but it was a very practical thing to go get. And uh, as the son of immigrants, you know, you you get trained to do the very practical thing to mm. to make sure you take care of business and that you guarantee yourself a certain lifestyle and whatnot. Um, and when I was in when I was in college, I, I worked um, you know I worked as a computer lab monitor and uh, as part of the computer science department as uh, that was my my work study job. And that's where I really fell in love with tech. It was the the system administration type of work I was doing, um, some of the work as a lab monitor that I was doing that exposed me to um, to tech in a way that that really then I knew, okay, you, you, this looks possible. This looks like a, a place I could end up. But it was, it had nothing to do with my degree, which was a civil engineering degree. Did you have a circle of friends or people around you that were interested in the same thing, or you just kind of navigated this space on your own? So it's a great question. Um, you know, for there were two types of people in my life. I think the the I, I moved from circle to circle. I was somebody who did sports but also yeah. was was pretty good um, academically. And so I moved from different circle to different circle. And one of the things I found was that video games had a way of bringing everybody together. And so a, a lot of the guys that I worked with in the, in the computer lab played video games. And a lot of the guys I played sports with played computer games. That brought us all together. And I think that played a role in sort of exposing me to different groups is like we had this thing in common. You you want to know how these video games work. You want to know like, man, it's crazy. We can network and play against each other. How does that work? And through that process, I learned, you know, I learned a lot about what would end up being my career, but um, it, it was more because I had created connections with people and we were, you know, we were developing a sense of community around the things that we were doing that I was able to have this influence. But I got to tell you, um, in terms of my engineering degree, for example, frequently I was the only in my classes. Um, it was, it was, it was that that part of it was really hard, and navigating that was very difficult. It, it was in these other things that I did that I got a better sense of community and that I could connect with people. But in the classes itself, it wasn't always straightforward. What kept you going in those moments of <laughs> oh, being man. difficult? I mean, that's a reality, right? When you it realize is. that you're one of none and yeah. you're faced with it. Uh, yeah. yeah. What what keeps you going in those times? That, that was hard. Um, a few things. I think a fear of failure, a big time fear of failure, um, coupled with a desire to win, you know, like just trying to make it happen. So, you know, a lot of pride may be involved. And then the understanding that there were too many people I would let down if I, if I quit. I, 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 a lot of it was that I just could not, 
I could not let my parents down. The, the other thing about me is the first 15 years of my life, I grew up in the Congo in Central Africa. And growing up in the Congo, you know, I, I went to an American school there, but in my neighborhood, I, I was exposed to a lot of local Congolese and I had friends from all different walks of life. I recognized that I was very lucky to be able to, you know, to be, uh, to be able to be an American uh, who got an opportunity to live abroad and then to have the opportunity to then go to university and all of that stuff. I knew that that was a, that was a gift. And so I, I even felt the pressure of like, the, the the guys I grew up with in the neighborhood of saying you have this big opportunity you can't you can't let those guys down either you got to take advantage so a lot of it was that um, I just could not th there was the the thought of um, not making it terrified me but uh, so many times I wanted to quit I won't lie so many times <laughs> but then something kind of crept up yeah. and said, but... Yeah, yeah. I, I tell this story a lot, and, and so I'll, I'll abbreviate it for you. My second math class is that, you know, you, you take, I don't know, seven, eight math classes to get your engineering degree, right? And so the second one, Calculus two, I failed. I mean, like, flunked big time. Um, and, you know, it's put on academic probation. You get, you, get, you get one of these letters that says, if you don't lift your GPA up, in three quarters, you're out. You're out of the department. And I remember uh, calling my dad and just being in, in tears and saying, you know, like I failed this class and I'm, I'm going off on this rant about how I failed and apologizing to him and crying. And uh, and I noticed uh, after I don't know after five ten minutes, I noticed he wasn't saying anything. Uh, it was just me. <laughs> it was just me talking. So I, so I, I, I'm like, Dad, you still there? And, and he's like, yeah, yeah, I'm here. He goes, what do you want to do? And I'm, I'm like, what? And he's like, yeah, what, what are you going to do now? What are you going to do? Wow. Um, and um, I, it, that threw me off. I was expecting a lecture. I was expecting, you know, I was expecting something bad. And instead, I got this question, what are you going to do now? What do you want to do? And so... Um, that that's like a pivotal moment for me. I, I think you know you you have many of these in life, but that failure in particular, that was a pivotal moment because at that moment I, I understood something very important about life, which is that rarely is the event itself the failure; it's the reaction to the event that really determines whether this has been a failure or a success. Rarely is the event itself the failure. It's the reaction to the event that really determines whether this has been a failure or a success. Gem drop. The way school conditions us is that you study, you take the test, and if you pass the test, you pass, and if you fail the test, you fail. Like, like the event itself determines what happens. And life is not like that. What life teaches you is that things will happen to you. There will be events that happen to you either because you, have, you haven't been prepared or you just weren't ready for them or it's just life. And the reaction to the event determines whether you have succeeded or whether you have failed. Almost never is the event itself a failure or a success. And so th that was the first time I got a taste of that. And then, you know, in my life and, and all the way through now, that lesson has stayed with me and gives me a lot of perspective when things happen. 
one of the key things about my life has been understanding who I am. So I think there, there are people who know exactly what, I, what they want to do. And then there are people who focus more on who they are. Mm. And I fall into that latter camp of, of focusing on who I am. So you take, a, you take a lesson like the one we just talked about. It gave me a very good indication about me and how I deal with failure. And it gave me a very good indication of like the next time I experience a failure, like professionally or anything, how should I react to it? The, when you talk about failure and, and how people look at failure, the failure is only worth it if you learn from it. If if you if you go if you go repeat repeat it ends up being a, a very painful process. And so, I think the biggest thing that I got out of it was learning about me. Like, who is Sabri? What what does Sabri expect? Uh, you know, how do I? Well, I just referred to myself in third person. Um, but like, <laughs> sir, sir Sabri. Now, if you had said Sir Sabri, yeah, let me that would... <laughs> But I I think it was a. The reason I say that, though, is because it did take me time to figure out who I am. Like, I think in many ways, that's a subconscious slip on my part because I had to go figure out who I was, like legitimately had to go spend the time with me to figure out who I was. That's how that came through for me. Um, And it allowed me to get through so many different situations where, you know, bad bosses, bad roles, uh, not doing this, not not doing well in certain roles, being in over my head, that type of thing. It always came through for me in those circumstances. What excites you about the work that you do? I love what I do. I the 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 most exciting part about it is the people I do it with first and foremost. I work with an incredible set of people who have you know, diverse set of talents and um, experience that they bring with them. That, that's top. But secondly, a lot of what we what we build, a lot of what we uh, we give people is what allows them to do their day to day. Right. So a lot of the software we write are, you know, applications and products that people use all day. It, it, it's how they work. And to to know that we're allowing people to be productive, that we're allowing people to get stuff done. And that at the end of the day, um, they feel a sense of accomplishment with that. But also that, you know, when they're off, when they are off to their next play and they're they're in a new gig, they say, wow, you should have seen what I had at the old, at the old place. They gave me this, you know, these are the types of things like this is what I want. This is what we strive to do uh, as a team and the, the type of things we want to build and give to our, our people. I love that in terms of setting people up with an expectation and so that when they're in other spaces, they have a bar yeah, of expectations. That's, that's right. That's the bar. For me, that's the bar. We, we want them to say that. We want them to look back and say, oh, my God, that you should have seen what they had for me over there. It allowed me to do this. It allowed me. And, and you know, when, you, when you're building product like that, people get a sense that you got skin in the game. You understand what they're going through, that you're, you know, you're really living their day to day with them. Man, that's that's the bar. That's the bar. That's so fascinating because I think a lot of times a lot of people always think about the external customer, the consumer, and never really understand the importance of the people inside. Mm -hmm. Who makes the machine run? Yeah. Who makes the machine run? I I remember, I I remember um, 
when when Steve Jobs passed away, I thought for sure whoever did marketing at Apple would would take over. But who got it was the internal guy. That that's that was one of the inspirations. It's like this, you know, he understood how the machine worked. He understood what it it took to make some of this equipment uh, affordable to to consumers. Ultimately, um, this is how I think of things. And, and you know, my mind has always operated a, a little bit differently. So I'm, I'm typically attracted to a lot of things most people aren't attracted to. But that's that's the thought. Let's talk about Sabri, the VP, the leader. And like I said, I'm not going to spend time in going through just all the different companies that you have been a part of and have led teams at, but I really want to just focus on this aspect of being a leader and just leaning in on this quote of, you know, it's lonely at the top, especially as... Uh, a person of color, a black male, just what is it like to be in this space? Going back to what you mentioned, being in school, being the only one in the classroom and kind of seeing that where you are uh, now, um, what is that like and what can be done to change that? You know, I, um, I'm going to tell you something. I don't think of myself as the VP. <laughs> I, I, I still think of myself as um, that same college student in many ways that was the only in, in that class. I, um, I worked hard, I listened to a lot of advice and I and you know I put in the work and it happened for me. But I, the experience oddly enough still feels very much the same where I'll, I'll be I'll be one of the only in the room um, and that hasn't changed. And I, 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 I think one of the reasons this happens is that we don't expect to be here. Mm. So, so we, we don't, you know, uh, there's this book I, I always reference the other Wes Moore. And one of the things I, I got a chance to meet Wes Moore who wrote that book. And one of the things he talked about when I, when I had a chance to meet him is he said, we are a product of our expectations. So, if we expect if we expect to be big things, we end up being big things. If we expect to be small things, we end up being small things. And I think that one of the things that happens is we don't see people who look like us in these roles. So we don't expect to be there. And, um, you know, that's why perhaps when I was in, in school, you know, it didn't occur to me that I could be an engineering leader one day. Like, it just didn't because I didn't see it. But what I did see, by the way, was my parents. And everything that they accomplished, you know, and and so I had an expectation from there that I think certainly put me ahead of where most people were, which is like you have two PhD parents. That's a that's a high bar and a big expectation that you have. So ultimately, what I think it is is we just don't see we don't see us in these roles. When I'm in these rooms, I'm frequently alone, or there'll be a few of us in in the room, you know. And I'm talking not just black males, which is very rare, but even women, you don't you don't necessarily see women in a lot of these rooms. Um, you don't see people of color in these rooms. It, it still feels the same. And and you know the day we'll know we made it is the day we'll have incompetent people of color in these roles. It's a sad statement, but if you think about what I'm saying, like to make it today, they, you have to be good, um, exceptional, was, not just yeah. good, exceptional. There you go. And so. 
I don't think anybody's giving any gifts and there's no charity, which is the way it should be, by the way. But we're so far off from that. I think it's because we, we just don't see it. We don't expect it. Did you always want to go into leadership? No, I, I you know, never even thought about it. Now, I think it, it turns out I probably had natural natural traits for it. You know, um, I was captain of my soccer team in high school, right? Like, I think there, there are things like I had like that, but that now looking through the eyes of an adult, I say, oh, okay, you know, maybe I had, I had some leadership traits, but no, I, no, I didn't think so. I'm going to acknowledge all of my uh, Jamaican and Island people, my Jamaican heritage and say captain of the football team. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's only right. It's only proper. <laughs> <laughs> what is the piece of advice that you give to other people um, in their career? What's the best advice that you've given to someone? Um. So often I'm surprised by how many people think that they got to where they are purely on luck. This is the thing that surprises me the most. Um, it, it, and it surprises me the most with underrepresented groups. When I'm talking, typically talking to, um, you know, minorities at work, I think because we suffer so much from, you know, imposter syndrome and whatnot, like, the thing that surprises me is that frequently they, they think, hey, you know, I got lucky. I, you know, I, I ended up here. I got, a, you know, I caught a couple good breaks along the way. This is true. There's, there's no question that luck plays a part in it. But so much of it is on talent. And, and I think the best advice I give people is actually reminding them of who they are. That's right. Right. And not necessarily... Um, dropping any uh, knowledge on them that they're not aware of. In, in fact, to be honest with you, frequently when I, when I, I'll say to somebody, Hey, you, you didn't get here by luck. I'll see them smile because it resonates with them. They, they think about the stuff that they went through and, and all of that. And when something resonates with you that quickly, I didn't teach it to you. It's I'm just reminding you, you know what I mean? And so that's maybe the best thing that like I love doing that because of people's reactions and just reminding them of the value they, that they have and of the work that they put in and how hard it is to get to where we are. All of us, right? Not, not just me, but all of us. Um, I, I, that, that is maybe the best thing I do. You are what I call the, the waterer. You are one of those people that, no, like there are seeds that have been planted exactly to the example that you you have. There, there's things already inside people that they've planted and that they've took the time to invest in and, and, and nurture. And then you just come and just water those seeds that are already there and just remind people it's already there. It's already been planted. It's already in you. And then that reaction of just kind of responding of, Oh, it is here, and watching that grow, um, I think that's so important. So you know, I've I've never heard that, never thought about. It. I love it. Uh, it's true. It, it is one hundred percent true that the most of these folks have such a strong foundation already, and have um, have gotten here through really, really hard work. And and it's been, I think your analogy is spot on. I do very little except to water the plant, but that's. That's that is a hundred percent true. 
and you know, a lot of people did this for me. You know, to this day, I'm very thankful for many of the people I had in my life who did this for me and also taught me quite a bit. And, and they come from all different walks of life, uh, not, not one ethnicity. You know, one, one of my mentors is, uh, is older, white, conservative male, right? Like, and probably one of the best mentors I have because of the things that he and I talk about and how different it is from how I'm accustomed to thinking, but how much it enriches my life. And so I am also the product of others who have watered the sea. You mentioned that there was this common thread of community with games mm-hmm. in college. Mm-hmm. What was your go-to games? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. So, what were your go-to uh, games? Uh, they're taking me back. Uh, on PC, it was, uh, it was a game called Command and Conquer. Command and Conquer. I, yeah, I, just, I just took people way back, like uh, – like about five people listening to this right now are like, I know that game and I, I know how old you are. Um, and <laughs> and uh, it was, um, there was the, the, the Golden Eye game. Is it, is that, remember that? Like it's on, uh, it's on PC? No, no. The Golden Eye was on Super what console? NES. I, I can't remember. Oh. People know it. Like people who know, know. Yes. Um, Doom on PC, all, all this stuff. Like, there's so many games I played back then. You just took me back. I don't, I don't even remember, but, but those stand out to me. Those stand out. That's impressive. Um, I when you said games, I was like, oh, I'm gonna dig into this one. Because... Yeah, I play, I, to this day I play a lot of games. Uh, you know, I, I worked at IGN, um, you know, that, where we reviewed games. I, I, I play a lot of video games. To this day, that's, that's my, that's my go-to. Million dollar question then. Mm-hmm. PC, PS, uh-huh. or Xbox? <laughs> uh, today, today, it's it's PS. It's PlayStation today. I am back uh, with the rest of the of, of the plebs, and I play <laughs> the common I folks. Play, I remember the common folk. I play on a on a on a, on a console. I play mostly on PlayStation, but I, I play Xbox as well. I have just, so as an old school gamer, mm-hmm. I won't even name, the, why not? Okay, so I'm going to I'm gonna name the name. So uh-huh. I was a big Asteroids, Galaga, yeah, yeah. Dig Dug, like still to this day, those are my go-to. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> I totally did yeah. it. No. Yeah, but yeah. I will go, Centipede? Oh, uh-huh. I am serious about some Centipede. And I get so intense. But what I love about doing this is, you know, a lot of times when we see, like, you know, this newer generation of gamers Mm -hmm. and how intense they are, I keep on reminding people, like, do you not remember how intense we we were with Qbert and ColecoVision? Oh, my gosh. I'm so... (laughs) (laughs) Doing myself right now. This is so So I'll tell you something funny about that. If, if um, you know, if I end up in a spot that has like old school arcade games, like, you know, some of the stuff you're talking about right now, I'll easily drop $30, $40 to play these games, right? And I'll sit there for, for an hour and I won't pay for a single app on my phone. 
<laughs> it's I, I've never understood that, but like uh, you're you're exposing some of the uh, very little secrets I have. I will easily drop thirty forty dollars in old school arcade games, like Galaga and whatnot. Um, and I, abs I absolutely will not buy. Uh, it, it takes like a an event for me to buy an app on my phone. I'm already thinking about our next conversation about doing a uh, Renee and Sabri Galaga competition <laughs> and then <laughs> reporting back to the people how <laughs> how it went and who won. We could do Let's do it. I'm in. <laughs> I'm in. They'll take me back. I'm in. I love it. You mentioned early in the podcast uh, about being a son of immigrants. Give us a breakdown of your family roots. My mom, her family is from Zanzibar in Tanzania, from the island of Zanzibar. And my father's family is from Haiti. So um, my parents are from islands, albeit very separate parts of the world. And uh, my mom actually, my mom's family moved from the Middle East. They moved from Oman to Zanzibar. My grandfather moved from Oman to Zanzibar. So a significant portion of my family is still in Oman, about half, half. So I'm like, I'm, my family's like the UN. We're, we're from everywhere. And then of course, like most fam, most, most, uh, you know, most Haitian families that moved to the US, the bulk of my father's family is still in Brooklyn, New York, where I spent, you know, every summer of my life. Love it. Moment of privilege, of course. Stand up New York one time. <laughs> yeah. Come on, New York. I'm always going to shout out New York. So with this kind of rich uh, culture that you have, how has that shaped you um, as a leader as well um, in what you do? That's a very good question. In fact, um, I've really gotten an appreciation for that. I, I got an appreciation for that later in my life, which is that, you know, so I'm half Arab, I'm half Black. I grew up as an American kid in the Congo that's French speaking. I went to an American school in my neighborhood. I was speaking Lingala, which is the local language spoken in in, the, in Kinshasa. All those experiences in the and even the the diversity of my family itself really gave me the ability to adapt to different circumstances, to move from one circle to the other, without really compromising who I was and learning how to stay me, but going from one circle to another, one socioeconomic level to another. That was incredible. The other, the other thing it did is it gave me perspective of like the, the world is this big place. It's not just the town you're in or the city you're in or the state that you're in. <clears throat> there, you know, there's there's these continents and there's these cultures and and you know food and and how people behave and, and languages. Like I got to see all of that. I, I had, in retrospect, um, that childhood was incredible. Like the. the I have friends from all sorts of backgrounds that I grew up with that today we, we realize now we had such a privileged childhood to, to be able to grow up that way. And it, 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 it's, it's made everything for me. Like uh, that's why I can relate to so many things and so many experiences is because that was the story of my life. What inspires you now? So many things. Renee. Like I, the people I work with primarily, um, you're an, ex an excellent example of that in your humility, um, in your ability to do things behind the scenes without worrying about the accolades and, and just, you know, putting in the work when nobody's watching. 
but also putting in the work, even when you know the results aren't exactly what how you would want it, th that's incredibly inspiring to me. And I see it everywhere now. Like I, I think one of the things that has happened with age is I get to appreciate things like that more and I look for it more. You know, I see it in everything, but primarily today as we speak, I see it in the people I work with and you being a, a very good example of that. I'm not paying him to say this, by the way. This is, this is full-blown, organic, truthful. Uh, that's yeah. And it's, it, by, by the way, it's from the heart for me. And you know, there there are things that obviously will always remain for you and I to like, like we know, right. and they're not necessarily for public consumption. But right. it's in the things that that I have seen you do and others around me that I'm incredibly inspired. Let's talk about Afrotech. Mm. And uh, I'm going to tell a quick story about when I had the pleasure of first meeting you. And I had seen your name. I had heard about, again, the man, the myth, the legend, Sabri, this VP. And I was so excited to meet you and knew that you were coming to Afrotech a couple of years ago. And I had seen your picture. I think at the time you had like a blazer on, probably still doing the picture, a blazer, like a collared shirt. And I was like, okay, I'm looking for this guy to walk in in a blazer and this button down shirt. In walks Sabri with the cleanest Jordans I have ever seen on a VP. And that's when I knew I was like, this is amazing. And he is amazing. And I haven't even said hello yet. But it was one of those moments that I will never forget because you stepped out and you broke the mold at that moment of what I had in my head for many years of what a VP looked like. So uh, I segue into the importance of representation uh, in these spaces and talk to me about Afrotech and that feeling of representation sure. and, and your, your experience. So the, I remember that I remember meeting you as well. <laughs> and I, that, that was my very first Afrotech. And I was, um, I was just amazed by, by the amount of people I saw and, um, and what they were doing. You know, I was, I was just randomly chatting people up and trying to figure out what they were doing. And I, I was, I was hyped. I was, it was incredible. And then last year when I was actually asked to speak at, at Afrotech, I, I had a, I had a Saturday morning session, right. And um, that was packed so I, that people couldn't, let, let's, <laughs> that people couldn't even get into, by the way. So I didn't know that. So here, here was my thinking. My thinking was, it's, it's a Saturday morning session. It's Afrotech in downtown Oakland, right? Friday night, I, I knew had to be like, there's no way anybody was going to show up on Saturday morning. And so that morning, I actually went to play soccer. Um, and then, you know, I threw on a t-shirt, jeans and a beanie. And then I showed up thinking the room would be empty, that we'd have this... Um, that we'd have this very intimate, small conversation. And then, I, you know, I got a text message from somebody on my team saying, I can't get in 
they've turned a bunch of us away at the door because the room's full. And I, I was like, what? I, she thought it was a joke. Um, I didn't believe it. I was like, dude, come up here. Like, I, I want to see you. And uh, this colleague of mine said, I, I can't make it. He's like, I'm not kidding. About 100, of, 100, 150 of us have been turned away at the door because we've been told the room is full. And it was a big room. Like, let's not. It was a big room. That was the moment to to be completely honest with you. That was the first moment where I realized, okay, wait. Uh, people wanted, and, and you know, I was doing this with uh, Nate, who's a colleague at Microsoft. I was like, I was like, wow. People want to hear us. Like they, they want to know what we've been through, and they they they're. We're, we're, we're sort of standing out by, by virtue of who we are. That was the first time. I, I've been in this game a while, right? I, I've been working in Silicon Valley for over 20 years. That was the first time I realized, and, it, and now that I say it, it kind of, I can't believe I didn't see it, but you know, it is what it is. That was the first time I realized, man, you're, you're, you're in a unique spot. And it was scary. Uh, and, and it was it was uncomfortable and it was exciting. It was all of those things. What was scary about it for you? The pressure. You know, am, am I properly representing us right? Am I, you know, are, are people, am I doing justice to those who come after me? And am I doing this in the right way so that it's easier for them? That's on my mind all the time. I... I I want to be a really good engineer first. I want to be a really good engineering leader first and foremost. I don't want to be a, a, a voice for diversity and inclusion first. I want to be a really good engineer first. I, I, everything I do has to be built on the, the, that foundation. That's what got me here. But because it opens the door to others coming after me, be they black, brown, be they women, whatever, I'm representing all of, all of those people. And uh, I, you know, so you know what? Now that I'm talking to you, I think about it, it's the same feeling I had when I was in school, which is I can't let these people down. So the the fear of failure, but but most importantly, the thought that I'm representing so many people, and that I want to make sure I do that in the right way. I've had the pleasure of being on the a panel with you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which was so much fun uh, talking with students mm-hmm. um, or high school students. And then you um, being an executive sponsor of an employee resource group. Why are, why are those things important? Again, like you said, you want to make sure that you are an engineer first and you're doing that, but why are these other things um, important to you as well? Because they teach me so much. And they're so inspiring to me, first and foremost. I mean, selfishly, they make me a better person. I think the the fact that uh, I co-sponsor, you know, our Black Inclusion Group, the the fact that I have the the honor and privilege of being able to speak to high school students and hear some of the things that they say to us is incredibly inspiring. And it, it teaches me so much about what others are going through and what what they want and the things that they're expecting, it allows me to be a voice for them. Um, it's everything that I would have hoped I had when I was starting my career. And I, I think I feel a sense of um, 
like a duty to to that, that like a responsibility that I have to do this, and and it's a it's a it's a pleasure to do it because it's so enriching for me. Yeah, uh, it's and, like and, the lack thereof. Like mm-hmm. I know it's easy to do things because you've seen it and you want to like replicate it, but it's in that time of not having it per se or not seeing it that you almost want to make sure that other people yeah have it. Exactly. And, 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 you know, like you think about like when I started my career in the Valley, nobody, nobody had ERGs, at least not that I was aware of. Nobody talked about that kind of thing. Um, and you didn't see necessarily leadership that looked like you. In fact, unfortunately, that's still the case. I mean, there are a few of us in, in spots, but it's, I think it's very important because going back to that idea that we, we become products of our expectations by representing these groups, by being a part of these forums, um, it allows us, it, it allows me, it allows you to be able to do this. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's incredibly enriching experience. It's very valuable and, and it's necessary. And, and you know what? I love doing it. Like it, at this point in my life, it makes a lot of sense for me to do. I'm very passionate about it and I love doing it. I've been the recipient of uh, you just, leaning into, you know, making sure that, you know, our voices are heard and we have a, a space in place. So I'm going to take a moment of privilege just to say thank you uh, for representing and, and for leading with your passion. I, I, I owe you more. Uh, and you know why I'm saying that I, you have done so much for us. Um, you've done it behind the scenes. You've been, yeah. So much, so much about uh, tech rep queen. Again, I'm going to talk about tech and design and and culture, which I am so passionate and about and and lead with. Talk to me about how culture shows up for you um, in your day to day, in your work, in your life. Uh, give us a little bit of background on on your culture. You mentioned the con- growing up in the Congo. Just give us a. Give us a sneak so, peek into that. <laughs> you know, I, I grew up in the Congo, which is very much about style. Um, you know, it's it's uh, Africa's Africa's style capital. It has to be Kinshasa. I'm sure somebody out there is going to challenge that. But the, the music from the Congo is is the best in Africa. <laughs> so all my biases are coming out. Well done. Um, yes. But there's this there's this uh, big idea that that uh, it, it's it. It's a French thing. It's bon chic, bon genre. How do you? How, I'm not quite sure how that translates, but let's say uh, I, I don't, I'm not sure how it's translated. It's a good style, and so a lot of it is working on your presentation and how you show up, and you know, keeping it clean. And um, you talked about my Jordans earlier. I, like I'm meticulous about cleaning my Jordans, but it's it's about how you present yourself and to always represent and present yourself in the right way. And it's even something, by the way, that I bring into how we do, how we build products for my team is we, we, want, we want the experience of using these products to be delightful. We, we don't want it just, we don't want to just produce functional stuff. We want, we want to produce stuff people love that, that, they, that they're going to work with on a day-to-day basis, that they're going to spend hours and hours in. And so I think of myself that way as well. You know, in the the way I I dress and the way I represent myself, the words I use, um, those things matter because it's it's my way of expressing who I am to the people around me. 
And it's, it's also my way of showing people that they can be themselves and that that's really important on my team. You know, if, if you're going to work on my team, you have to be comfortable being yourself. And if you can, if you can be comfortable being yourself, then you can focus on the work. And so the best way to do that is to model the behavior. So that's what I'm doing. At least that's my excuse. Clean Jordans. Clean Jordans. <laughs> Clean Jordans. Now I understand yeah. the backstory and it just, that's amazing. Were those threes? Those, those were threes. Those were threes. I'm telling you, you see how vivid that memory is because there was like a light shining from those shoes when you walked in. I was like, "What is this?" I love that. That's amazing. That's amazing. And I, I just want to make sure I note that those Jordans are seen on campus in your day to day. That just wasn't an event that you just showed up in Jordans. Those clean Jordans and other Jordans make their guest appearances. Uh, when we were in person uh, in conference rooms and all. So, yeah, I love that you you show up and you they represent. Make, they don't make an appearance on Teams, unfortunately, but <laughs> eventually they'll make their way to video conference. Quick sidebar. I just thought about this. Um, mm-hmm. I actually got Tinker Hatterfield Hatterfield yeah. uh-huh. to sign one of my Jordans. Oh, no! So I kind of got one up on you. You might have uh, a clean Jordan. That is more than one up. That is Tinker Hatfield is the uh, he's the man. Hello. The man. So yeah, I will have to send you a picture of that. Yeah, uh, he, he, he's uh, he's the man. Legend. Hatfield is the man. Yeah, he's the he's the man. Legend. For those who don't know, Tink. Hatfield is the one who helped design uh, the Jordans uh, with yeah. Michael Jordan. So definitely uh, what check you out. want probably were designed by Tink. It's Tink Hatfield. Yeah, Tink Hatfield. Big goals. Maybe I can get him on the podcast. I'm there just going to go. go ahead and put it out there. Thank you so much for just this amazing uh, dialogue filled with energy, inspiration, and good vibes. So much good vibes. I appreciate you, brother. My pleasure. It was truly an honor to be here. Thank you. Royal Court, I hope you have enjoyed this rap session with Sabri as much as I have. Make sure that you're sharing these rap sessions with your friends, family, loved ones. Let them know about the tech rap queen experience and tell them to be part of the Royal Court. As always, thank you, be well, stay blessed, peace. And that's a wrap. Thanks for listening. To find out more about Tech Rap Queen, be sure to visit therene.com. That's T-H-E-E, Renee.com. Also, follow me on Instagram at the underscore underscore Renee.